We have two scriptures we're going to read this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. That's the first. And then we're going to read. The next one is going to be Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 to 22. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 to 22. The Bible says, By faith, Noah, warned by the things not yet seen, in holy fear builds an act to save his family. But his, by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. In Genesis chapter 6, 9 to 22. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among all people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy them, both and the earth. So make yourself an act of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door inside, put a door in the side of the ark and make lower middle and upper depths. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are, you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves on, along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is being eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Father, we give you praise this morning. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. We give you all the adoration. Speak to us this morning, Lord, at the point of our need. May we leave this place today blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to listen to this story because this story is going to summarize everything I'm going to preach today. One uh, grandmother in the church in Cameroon said that, she said, Pastor, sometimes when you preach, I don't understand all the theology that you explain. But the stories you tell always make me remember everything you preach. So that encourages me to tell more stories because some people don't hear the scriptures that I preach but they remember the story. There was a king who was sensing that his time to depart was near. 
You know, when, when men are old, it's like they cannot know when they are going to die. So this king was sensing that the time for him to die was close. And the king had seven sons who were all wonderful. And the king did not know who exactly to choose to succeed him on the throne. So the king decided he was going to organize a banquet and invite all his king's men, all the important people of the city, to his kingdom. And then there he was going to announce who will be the crown prince. The crown prince will be the one that will take over him when he's gone. So the father gave all of them money and asked him to buy good suits, tell him, tell him to dress well, because today he was going to choose one of them to be the crown prince. But the father gave an instruction and said, after you dress up, the only thing I want you to do that is out of the normal is that I want all of you to have red lips, like lipsticks, like lipsticks that women used to make their lips red. He said, I want you to all do it before you come to the party. And they said, okay. But when they all went, they got together and said, this man is crazy. How are we going to have our lips red? Are we going to do makeup before we go to a party as, as, as men? We are not even women. It was humiliating. But one of the sons said, well, if my father says so, I don't know exactly why he said so. He obeyed, had a good suit on him, painted his lips red. When he got to the party, people were laughing at him, mocking at him. And you know what it means for somebody to dress and he has red lips? It's a big shame. Like, what are you doing? Are you out of your senses? And then the father called all of the sons on the, on the stage and said, my son that I'm going to choose as the crown prince is different among all this one. He has an identity on him that would distinguish who he is. And when he called them all up to the stage, only one of the sons had red lips because he obeyed what the father said. And the father said, the one who obeyed me and did what was not, what did not make sense is the one who will be the crown prince. He went to the boy with the red lips and put the crown on his head. The instruction did not make sense, but he took the boy to the throne. I want to preach to you this morning the topic, obeying when it doesn't make sense. Hallelujah. Obeying when it doesn't make sense. Remember, we are, we are in a series on walking by faith. And one of those things you are going to do by faith is to obey when it doesn't make sense. The Bible talks about Noah, and it says that Noah was a blameless man in his time. In the days that Noah was living, there was so much wickedness, so much corruption, that you can imagine in the whole earth, only one person was righteous. Can you imagine that? I'm not even talking about a whole, a, a whole city or the whole state, the whole earth. Only one person was considered righteous. That is how wickedness had spread all over the earth. And then the Bible said Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember, I explained to you that the Israelites come from Shem. Then Ham is said that they're going to be they are the people from the Middle East. And then Japheth are the Europeans. I don't know where Africans come from under these three lineages. Because after God destroyed the earth, these were three. The three lineages that came out of Noah. The corruption that was upon the earth was so much. You know, when we talk about corruption today... Corruption did not start today. Corruption started a long time ago, even from the days of Noah. The corruption was so much 
But God decided to reveal himself to Noah. In every generation, God always has somebody that he can use to change that generation. In every family, God has somebody that he will use to touch that family. There is a Joseph in every family. There is an Esther in every family. And I pray this morning that may you become the one that God can trust to touch your nation. May you become the one that God can trust to touch your family. In the name of Jesus. And God revealed his plan to Noah and said to Noah, I am going to destroy all the earth, but I'm going to make a covenant with you. And by this covenant, I will preserve you, your sons, and their wives. You know, there is a power in covenants. When you read the Bible, you discover that Solomon committed so many crimes. For example, when Solomon decided to marry so many women, it was against the will of God. But any time that God wanted to strike Solomon, he would say, but for your father, David. Why was God hesitant in striking Solomon or taking Solomon away from the throne? God had made a covenant with David and said to David, your descendants shall never be absent from the throne. So because of the covenant that he made with Solomon, even though Solomon was not living right, God had to honor that covenant. There's some covenant you can make today while you are alive that your grandchildren benefit from that covenant. Is somebody hearing me? There are covenants you can make today with God that will affect your children's children's children. There are some people who grow up and they don't struggle because their grandparents make certain declarations on their behalf. Take for example, I stand up today, take maybe $5,000, and go to a place and build a church and say, by this church, as people worship in this church, Father, remember my family, remember my children, remember their children and their children. And these boys grow up, they don't know the prayers that have been prayed over their lives. They don't know why they succeed, they don't know why they excel, it's because there is a covenant at work that is governing their lives. Learn to be a man of covenant. That is why we have covenant day of prayer and fasting. Those are the days you come before God and begin to speak words over your family. You speak over your children. You speak over your destiny. There are some things that will happen even when you are gone as a result of the covenant you're making with the Lord. Hallelujah. There is power in covenant. And God said to Noah, bring every animal, male and female, into the ark. May I let you know that the ark of Noah is the picture of the church. How do you expect that the lion and the bear, the snake and the, and, the, and the vulture were all in the same ark? But listen, now think about it. They are in the ark for 40 days, 40 nights. Elephant is pooping. All the, you can imagine the smell. Even though it was smelling and nasty, it was the safest place to be. Is somebody hearing me? Even though it was nasty, smelling inside that ark, it was the safest place to be. Some people say, I don't go to that church because people in that church are like that and like this. Their church is the safest place to be. Yeah. Is somebody hearing me? Yeah. We may be from different tribes, different regions, different personalities, different things going on, but this is the best place to be. Because this is what God has provided that will save mankind from the dangers of eternity. And God said to Noah, Take food. Make sure there is supply for everything 
so that the animals have food to eat. And you and your children have food to eat. And in verse 22, the Bible says, Noah did as he was commanded. You know, there is a difference between partial obedience and total obedience. Many people do obey, but they obey partially. For example, let me quote like we're saying in the offering. God says, bring the first fruits of your increase. Or maybe you want ten your tithe. Maybe you give your tithe, but you don't give one ten. You give a fraction. You're not paying tithe. Partial disobedience equals total disobedience. Partial obedience equals total disobedience. God will not recommend you for giving half of what he has asked you to give. To say, well, he tried. It's either you are totally obeying or you are totally disobeying. There is no such thing like partial obedience. The Bible says, Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him to do. Respecting the dimensions, everything that God asked him to do. If you are going to be a man of faith, that will be used by God to touch lives and this nation. You have to be a man who obeys God totally. When God says, go left, paint it blue, let it be blue. If he says it's white, let it be white. If he says it's brown, let it be brown. Do exactly as God has said, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to share with you two things. How to obey when it doesn't make sense. Number one. Focus on the results and not the instructions. When God is asking you to do something that does not make sense, do not focus on the instructions. Focus on the outcome of that instruction. Because when you start thinking about the instruction, that is when your human understanding comes in. Human logic begins to play, and then you begin to doubt what God is saying. Now, let me show you some things in the Bible to help you understand when the Bible says Noah built this ark by faith. Number one, this was the first time that anything like flood was ever mentioned. Before this time, there was no such thing as flood. So there was no reason to think that an ark would save mankind because what is this big thing for? We've never experienced flood. So how is this even going to help? So it didn't make sense that I should build something for a situation that I've never experienced. Number two, this was the first time that anything like an ark was, meant, was ever mentioned. There were no ships, there were no boats. Then God appears and said, build an ark. He gave the description. It did not make sense because Noah or anybody in his generation had ever seen an ark. Number three, Noah was the only one that was righteous in his time, meaning that he will have no assistance from anyone because they will not believe what he's doing. Are you crazy? Build a big boat? When you look at the size of an ark, of the size that was mentioned in the Bible, when you convert the 300 cubits to meters, it was 153 meters long. That is the size of one and a half football field. So when we talk about an ark, we are not talking about a small boat in an ocean. It was 153 meters long. It was two-story buildings. So it was like a mall that God asked him to build. And he had no assistance. It took Noah 120 years to build it. I guess every day he was building, like, I don't understand what God wants me to do. What is this big thing for? But he kept building. It did not make any sense. But Noah heard what the Lord said. If you build this ark, it is going to save you and your family. So if you focus on the instruction, you are going to miss out on what this ark will help you escape from. Hallelujah. Number four, like I said, the duration of the ark 
was 120 years. Then the last, God asked Noah to bring every animal into the ark too, male and female. So God, how am I going to catch a snake? Catch a vulture two by two? I mean, catch a lion, antelope, giraffe, and all these dangerous, and it did not make any sense, but he obeyed. Hallelujah. If you are going to walk by faith, and God gives you an instruction, do not focus on the instruction. Focus on the results of that instruction. Let me show you some things in the Bible. In 2 Kings chapter 5, a man called Naaman is sick of leprosy. And a slave girl in his house directed Naaman to go to, to, to Israel and said, there is a prophet in Israel. If you see this prophet, you can be cured from your leprosy. And Naaman is expecting that if I go to Israel and see this prophet, the prophet is going to come out, lay his hands on me, and pray for me to be cleansed from my leprosy. And Noah carried all his gifts with his respect and his chariots and, and, and servants and go to Israel. He meets Elisha. And Elisha said to Noah, go, I mean to Naaman, go, wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. Does that make sense? That somebody is sick and the person is here for prayers. He's expecting that maybe Noah will take, a, a Naaman, a Elisha will take a, the anointing oil and pour on him and say, you are healed. I rebuke that leprosy, be cleansed. All Elisha said is, go to the Jordan, wash yourself seven times. If you read 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman got so angry. He said, did I leave Syria? And travel all the way to come here to come and take a bath in this dirty Jordan. Are there no better rivers in my country? I mean, clean rivers that I could have taken a bath. And the servant said to Naaman, Master, if he had asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Just go ahead and do it. And the Bible says when he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, he was clean. The instruction did not make sense, but the results were awesome. Is somebody hearing me? If you are going to walk by faith, don't focus on the instruction. Focus on the outcome. When the people of God were about to take over the promised land, they came to the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho was a city with a fence. The fence was so thick that traditional history says that the thickness of the fence was so thick that two chariots could ride on the fence. I mean the thickness of the wall. Two, it means a, a car could drive on top of the fence. That is how thick the fence was. Now it would take hammers. It would take men with built statue to bring down that wall. And then God said to the people, take your trumpets. Go down that wall seven times a day for seven days and it will fall. Does that make sense? But they obeyed and guess what? On the seventh day, the wall fell down. It didn't make sense but the results were awesome. Is somebody hearing me this morning? When God was about to strike Egypt, when he said, I'm going to destroy all the firstborns of this nation, he said to the Israelites, take a ram, kill it, put the blood on your doorpost. When the angel will come in the night and sees the blood, he will pass over your house. Does it make sense that a blood on my doorpost will make the angel escape my house? It didn't make sense, but they obeyed. And guess what? Every Egyptian had death in their house. But all the Israelites were saved because they obeyed, even when it did not make sense. Elisha is running away from Jezebel. He gets to a brook. God is sending ravens to feed him there in the morning and in the evening. And the Bible says a time came where the brook got dry. And then God speaks to Elijah and says, go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow to feed you there. 
Now, if God is sending somebody to me as a man of God, maybe to help support my ministry, I'm expecting that God will send me somebody that is rich, somebody that has some money. But God is saying to Elijah, I am going to send somebody to feed you, and the person is a widow. Does that make sense? But Elijah shows up at, at, at Zarephath and sees the widow gathering sticks. And Elijah said, what do you have? He said, only oh, small oil and uh, bread for me and my son to eat and die. See, God, this does not make any sense. But as the woman was going, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, as surely as the Lord lives, there shall be food in your house for you and me to eat until the day that this famine is over. Amen. When God gives an instruction, don't focus on the instruction. Look at the results that that instruction will produce. God is asking you sometimes to do things, like we say, give the first fruits of your income, pay your tithes, fast, do this. You're like, well, what is staying away from food is going to cause? Just meaning that I'm going to stay away from food and just pray and things will happen. Many people don't fast because they think fasting is stupid. But when you look at the, when you look at the results of fasting, you understand that God is not stupid in anything he says. Everything that God says for you to do, is strategic. Hallelujah. Obey the Lord. Focus on what he is saying. Focus on what he wants to achieve in your life. Number two, if you are going to obey when it doesn't make sense, focus on the person behind the instruction. Now, if somebody came to you and said, hey, Brother Eddie, maybe somebody, some, some broke guy in your neighborhood that you know came to you and said, hey, brother, take this check, go to the bank and cash it. Who live in go? Man, you don't even have food to eat. The last time I checked, you're, you, were, you, were, you were an eviction from your apartment. And now you are giving me a check for $20,000. Are you on drugs or something? Because you know the person. The reason why many people do not walk by faith when God gives an instruction is that they are not looking at the person who is giving the instructions. They are trying to analyze the instruction. When you want to walk by faith and obey when it doesn't make sense, you need to focus on the person that is behind the instruction. I told a story one time about a guy that had some money that was supposed to be paid to him by the bank. He did a contract and the bank was supposed to pay him, but the bank kept delaying. This guy went to the bank so many times to ask for his money and they would not pay him. One time he got so mad, he was yelling in the bank, I can't believe I've completed my contract and you guys don't want to pay me for the, for the job that I did. He was so offended when he left the bank he saw an old man walking, a man that is walking and shaking, like he has no strength. And the man is my son. What is the problem? And he was, a, he looked at the old man like, who are you to, for me to tell you my, my problem? But something said, just tell him. And he said, can you believe, grandpa, can you believe that I took my time for one year, executed a project, and this bank has refused to pay me? And the man said, don't worry, give me a piece of paper. And the man wrote on the piece of paper, pay him. And they on the road, Baba, that's, that was all. He said, go give it to the manager. And the guy looked at the paper and looked at the old man. This man is walking like he's about to die in the next minute. And then he gives me a paper to say, I should give to the manager to pay me. He said, well, he went back inside the bank and gave the piece of notes, the piece of paper to the manager. The manager did not say, who gave you this? The manager called the cashier immediately to issue out the check. For the guy. When he went back out, he did not see the old man. Then he started making inquiries about who was that old man. Then he found out that that old man 
was the elder brother of the president of that country who was the major shareholder of that bank. Sometimes we focus on the people, we focus on the, on the instruction, not trying to know who is the person behind that instruction. The reason why we disobey God is because we don't see God behind the instruction. We're trying to look at the instruction like, what, what is this? It doesn't make sense. But when you think about the person behind that instruction, in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, Peter has gone all night to fish. He's an experienced fisherman. Fish the whole night, caught nothing. Then he comes to the shore and meets Jesus. Jesus is not a fisherman. His father is not a fisherman. His uncle is not a There is no fisherman in his family to even have knowledge about fishing. And then Jesus says to Peter, launch your nets. And then listen, when you are fishing, you have to go deep into the sea where fishes are because fish don't swim on the banks of the sea. You have to go deep into the sea to throw your nets to catch. But Jesus is like, right here, throw your nets. And then Peter said, Master, <laughs> we've been here all night fishing. We didn't catch nothing. But listen to what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 5. It said, but because you said so. It said, because you said so. If somebody else has said this to me, I will say, shut up. But because you said so, I will do it. The Bible says he threw his net into the water. The catch was so much that Peter started to call other fishermen to help him with all the fish. He knew the one behind the instruction. He knew that any words that come out from his mouth is reliable. Hallelujah. And it came to pass. In Genesis chapter 12, God appears to Abraham and said, leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. Can you imagine that? God appears to you and says, brother or my daughter, I want you to pack. Leave your apartment. Get a new old truck and follow me. So, Sir, what do I put in my GPS as, as I'm following you? Don't put anything. Just drive on 28. Just keep going down. It didn't make sense. But because Abraham knew who gave him that instruction, he had the road and started driving. I don't know whether I'm going to Maryland or his rich mom or where I'm going, but I'm just going to go because I know the one that is behind this instruction. When you understand the one that is asking you to do what he wants you to do, you will do it without complaining. The reason why we disobey God in the instructions he has given to us is because we have not fully understood who God is and what God is capable of doing. When God says give, give. When God says pray, pray. When God says fast, fast. Whatever he has asked you to do, just do it because the one behind that instruction is reliable. Hallelujah. When it doesn't make sense, you do it. Why should I focus on the one Behind the instruction. God has a track record of being faithful. May I say that again? God has a track record of keeping his promises. God is reliable. He is dependable. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. Whatever he says, it will come to pass. In Romans chapter 4 verse 23, when God said to Abraham, by this time next year, you will have a child. The Bible says Abraham was fully persuaded. That what God has said, he was also able to bring it to accomplishment. It is because he understood that even though my wife is two times menopause and my body is dead, but the person who said this is reliable. There is no way you can say something and it doesn't come to pass. So when it doesn't make sense, don't focus on the instruction. Don't focus on the logic behind what he has said. 
Because most often, when God says you should do something, it never makes sense. It won't make sense. But behind that instruction is a mighty miracle. Behind that instruction is something awesome about to happen to your life. God will ask you to do something stupid. Like, for example, he says to Abraham, take your son, your only son. Go to Mount Moriah, sacrifice the son to me. Does that make sense? That's Jima's son. But as Abraham steps out to obey God, even though it doesn't make sense, that is when God said to me, Abraham, because I have seen that you are not willing to withhold your son from me, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. He said, look at the stars of the sky. If you are able to count all the stars, then you shall be able to count your descendants. Look at the sand of the seashore. If you can number the sand of the seashore, then you shall be able to count your descendants. Whoever bless you shall be blessed. And whoever curse you shall be cursed. But how did this come about? Because he obeyed when it didn't make sense. Anytime God is about to take a man to a new level, God gives you a new instruction. May I say that again? Anytime God is about to take you to a new level, God will give you an instruction. And most often, it will not make sense. God may speak to you and say, my daughter, go to your wardrobe. Take all your dresses that you like. Give it to that sister and child that you don't like. Like, I, I, let me give it to my cousin or my sister-in-law. Not to the sister I don't like. Just obey. Just obey. It may not make sense, but that behind that miracle, behind that instruction is a miracle for you. Hallelujah. The one who is giving the instruction, like I said, is trustworthy. God has never failed. When he says he is able to do it, trust him, like Noah. Building an ark, can you imagine? You buy wood, building something like the size of a football field, and every day Noah is knocking, and people are passing like, Noah, what are you doing? So I'm building an ark. For what? I understand that if, if God says you, you'll be saved, you and your family, must it be this big? It doesn't make any sense. But he kept building. He closed this place, not good. Oh, this dimension is not right. It cost the same dimension as God instructed for 120 years. Now, I want you to picture yourself doing something that God has asked you just for one year. How your friends are going to mock you. Or maybe God has asked you this year to fast for three months. And you fasted so much that now you're losing weight. You're going to walk. Your colleagues are mocking at you. Is it just that church? Must you fast for this long? Are you the one that keeps Jesus? Are you trying to, what are you trying to achieve with this fasting? Can you just fast for one day a week? Must it be 21 days fasting? When God gives an instruction, it never makes sense. But behind that instruction, God always has a big miracle. I'm saying this because this year, God is going to ask you to do things that don't make any sense. I was in, uh, in Tennessee when Benin was testifying how God asked him to empty his bank account and give it to a, a, a pastor in Virginia. And he said he doesn't like that pastor. But God said, write a check. Go to Virginia and give it to that man of God that you don't like. Then after he gave that check, somebody called him and wrote him another check. I think it was $1 million. Because he obeyed when it didn't make sense. This year, God is going to ask you to do strange things. But when you understand who is behind, that instruction. And you know what God is capable of doing. Just obey. And when you obey, it's going to turn around. There is a song we used to sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way 
to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I don't know, it doesn't make sense, but I obey. Hallelujah. Maybe you are here this morning, and God has asked you to do something that doesn't make sense. Or God has been calling you for a long time to do something that doesn't make sense. This is your chance to make things right. Hallelujah. This is your chance. Somebody said to me, Pastor, I really want to pay my tithe. But if I pay, what about my house rent? What about my this? Because they are trying to manage their money according to their senses. But when you understand that the one that is asking you to pay doesn't need your money. He's looking for an opportunity to bless you. Until you obey that instruction, you are out of his blessings. But when you begin to trust him and rely on him, you are giving him the access to change your life. This morning, you can decide to obey the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you here this morning and you have an, an area of your life where you feel like you've been disobedient to the Lord? God has asked you to do certain things that you've not done till now. You can change it this morning. Hallelujah. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Stand on your feet this morning and just begin to talk to the Lord. I don't know what is it that you heard this morning. Begin to talk to the Lord. Somebody begin to talk to the Lord. Begin to talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Are you faithful to all that God has called you to do? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you preaching as God wants you to preach? Are you praying the way God wants you to pray? Are you giving the way God wants you to give? Do you love the way God wants you to love? Do you serve the way God wants you to serve? Do you do all what you know how to do that God has asked you to do? You can say, say to God this morning, Father, I know it doesn't make sense. But because you said so, I will do it. I don't feel like doing it, but because you said so, I will do it. I don't like doing it, but because you said so, I will do it. I don't have the desire to do it, but because you said so, I will do it. Oh, my Father, and oh, my God, Thank you, ancients of days.